Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Porn Star Confessions. Today I'm super excited. I've got the legendary Adam Snow. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. So, first question, how old are you? Uh, 38. 38? All right, we're pretty close in age. So, how did you first get into porn? Uh, well, I had always thought about it people like anytime i ever had sex with somebody they always asked if i was a porn star uh and i always said no because i wasn't um but then in 2016 uh, i had some life-changing events that happened and uh it kind of changed my look on trying to maintain what people thought or caring about what people thought really i guess is a better way to say it uh, so then I started like recording, um, just for my own personal use. I knew that I, eventually I wanted to pursue it. I, I wanted to like, you know, have videos of me out there. I just didn't know what platform. Um, so at that time there wasn't a platform yet. So I was just like, you know, I'll just have these videos for whenever. And so I, anyone that I hooked up with, I would record with the assumption that eventually it would be posted on something somewhere. And it wasn't until um, OnlyFans that I was like, oh, actually, now I can do this. You know, now I have something to post these on. So, so if you don't mind asking, what were the life-changing events? Uh, I was married, and my husband committed suicide. <sighs> Fuck. Yeah. It kind of changes your, your whole percep- perception of relationships and it was uh hard to go through so after that i didn't really care about you know like what anyone thought of me or or just anyone's opinion really (laughs) so Uh, you and i uh we have that in common something that never ever ever leaves yeah um so like when you were recording all these people did you have them sign consent forms at the time or is it just like hey can i record this yeah it was it was i didn't have any like signed things but it was all recorded on the like on the video like it i started um in key west uh, my best friend and i because i you know, right after that happened, I went down this like downward spiral and didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. And, you know, was just in like a rut for a while. And one of my best friends, uh, who's a police officer in Ocean City, Maryland, uh, he was like, he's like, you need to get out. He's like, you need to like get back into life and, you know, do positive things and have fun again. And I'm like, you know what, I'm like, let's just do it. Let's just go. And at the time, my mindset wasn't really anything, but I'm just going to just go full out until I just die. Like, that's that's my mindset at the time. I was like, fuck it, let's just do it. So I went to QS with him, and we just kind of went around and just, you know, fucking everybody, <laughs> basically. Um, but it was... It was fun and it was, it did help. It helped me like, you know, it helped me realize that I could 
be who I wanted to be or do what I wanted to do. And I didn't have to um, be scrutinized by people. I didn't have to care what people thought. So it's basic, would I be correct in assuming that you basically had a death wish after that happened? Well, I definitely wasn't afraid to die. I was actually, that uh, it may have been later in the same year or maybe the next, the following year, uh, I went skydiving and uh, some friends of mine, we had like a, a big Groupon thing and there was a bunch of us. And as we're walking to the plane, uh, you know, the, the skydiving guy's recording us. And he's like, he has the camera facing me. He's like, so just so, he's like, just, do you have any last words before we get on this plane? You know, just in case. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm good to go. Let's go. And he's like, but, you know, what if, what if this is your last recording? I'm like, I've lived a good life. I'm ready to go. Let's go. And he was nervous because <laughs> then he got, he was like, nobody's ever said this. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, like I've, I've lived a full life. I've done a lot of things like more than most. And I was happy and, you know, like, let's go. If this is it, then this is it. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to live my life afraid to do anything anymore. I'm going to do whatever it is, you know, I want to do it with no holdback. Yeah, no, I get that. I really, really get that. So, I, still, I mean, I still kind of live that way, you know. Like, I'm, I'm always down for an adventure. Like, you want to go somewhere? Let's go somewhere. Like, I, if I die in a car wreck, like in America, it'd be pretty sad. But if I die, like jumping out of a plane in Brazil, like that's you know, I would rather go that way. <laughs> No, it, it's interesting how those types of events, like, completely change your perspective, you know, because it's like if you were in that uh, what Ocean Gate submarine, you would have done anything to not be in that submarine. Right. You know what I mean? Like, when you lose someone or, you know, just so many things and, like, you know, you're in prison, like, I'll do anything to get out of prison and then you know get out and then two weeks later you just take everything for granted but it sounds like you just kind of like fuck it i'm gonna live life to the fullest and whatever happens happens yeah so that's that's pretty much it (laughs) okay so you start recording stuff. Are these just like random hookups or are these people you like know well? No, it was in the beginning, it was just random hookups. Um, and then I met, uh, I had started, when I first started OnlyFans, uh, I, my subscription price was $50 a month. <laughs> and it was because I, I wasn't really sure if this was something I was going to do. You know, I didn't, wasn't really sure if it was going to take off, but I also own a construction business and I didn't really want everybody to be able to see my stuff. I would, you know, Mm -hmm. prefer to just keep it to people who had a lot of extra income, uh, so that the everyday Joe, you know, couldn't see my stuff. Um, and it wasn't until I met Rocco Steele on a gay cruise, uh, that that kind of changed. Um, and 
we, we hung out a little bit and in the beginning though, he had heard of me before I realized who he was. And when I met him, he was like, and I have this on a, on a recording actually. So it's pretty funny, but he was like, yeah, he's like, when I first met you, he said, I did not like you. And I was like, what do you mean? Why? And he's like, because I had heard that there's this younger guy on the cruise ship that has a dick like mine. And that's where all the ass is. He's like, usually when I'm on the cruise, I'm getting all the ass. He's like, but I'm not getting any because they're all coming to you. And I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't know this. <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, that this was a thing. And he's like, uh, but one of the guys that I hooked, hooked up with on the cruise was like, oh, he's like, you have a dick like Rocco Steele. You should meet him. And I was like, sure, you know, I'll, I'll meet him. So he, he introduced me to Rocco. And then we started hanging out and like, I actually got along with him really well. And then uh, at the end of the cruise, uh, we kept in contact. And then he, at the time, was living in D.C. So he called me and he was like, hey, I have uh, an opportunity. Would you like to come and film with me? And we'll do a scene where he and I DP someone. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do that. that. <laughs> Hell no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, and so I knew then, and some of my, my closest friends at the time were warning me against it. They're like, if you do this, they're like, there's, there's no longer, you're not just going to be like a niche thing. Like if you do this, like, people are going to know who you are. It's going to be like the start of, you know, something bigger. Yeah. And so I was like, I mean, you know, why not? I'm like, fuck it. He's doing it. He has an awesome career. Like he's very well known. Like why? why wouldn't I do it? And so I, I left and I went and I, I met up with them in, in DC and we DP'd this guy. And it was my first like, like real, you know, video with somebody famous. Yeah. Um, and then the video went crazy. Like people, it was already like had leaked to, um, uh, with Pornhub. It was like, there's like, you know, a bunch of stuff about it and, so after that, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> so I just started like, you know, answering all the texts and, and just kept it going. So, and then I eventually he, he convinced me, he was like, yeah, he's like, if you're going to do this, he's like, you got to drop your price down. He's like, you're not going to make anything like that. I was like, all right. So, <laughs> so what'd you drop it down to? Uh, I think it's like at nine ninety nine now. Okay. Like just standard. And do you still do construction? Yes. <laughs> when I'm home, which is not very often. And some of my clients would be very happy if I would stay home long enough to get their projects done. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's you just said, fuck it, and jumped in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what was your life like before all of this? Like, what was it like for you, you know, growing up, all that shit? Uh, it was, well, that's why I said I, I've lived a full life. Like, I have, you know, I grew up in Tennessee, the South, and was closeted up until my senior year of high school. Um, I never got along with my dad. And then when I came out, my dad actually chased me out of the house with a shotgun. Um, and it was very, you know, like 
I was no longer allowed to be on his property. I couldn't, and my parents are still together. They've been together since high school. Like they were like each other's high school sweethearts. Um, so my mom wasn't really listening to me and she didn't care. And it's, it's different now with my mom. My mom and I get along pretty well. Um, but my dad, you know, he, he still doesn't really, I mean, it's been 20 years, so we don't really talk that He's much. He's still not over it. Well, we just don't talk. You know, we have different lives. Like, they have, they're very small town. Uh, my sister, who is three years younger than me, and her husband and her kid all live with my parents. <laughs> so it's very Tennessee, southern, backwoods sort of um, thing. Like, they, they want to be, you know, in each other's lives so much that they all live in the same, you know, house basically and that's just not me you know like I, I live my life is like international like I travel all around the world like you know any chance I get I'm, I'm always traveling and I and for me you know like I have sex for fun and I have sex you know as a career and my family they, they don't understand that you know like my, my mom found out that I was doing porn she like tried to disown me and she's like I could handle you being gay, but I can't handle this. And I don't know if I'll ever forgive you. And I'm like, this isn't a question of, you know, this is, has nothing to do with you. Like, I don't judge you for your life choices. Like, you chose to live in this tiny ass place and raise a family with, you know, in this little bubble of yours. And that's your choice. But it's just not what I would want. It's not what I would do. So, yeah. That sucks. How was, what was coming out like for you outside of your family? Well, once I, I always knew that I liked boys. I just didn't know that it was gay. I didn't know what the word gay meant until much later because it was never talked about like in my family. And I actually didn't find out until in my twenties that I actually had a gay cousin that the family just never talked about. Like I never even knew he existed because the family had just completely acted as if he never existed. And then so finally, like once I realized that I wasn't the only one, I'm like, oh, so there's not something wrong with me. You know, I am okay. Uh, And so when I was 17, I moved, because I got kicked out, I moved to Key West, Florida, which is, I had a great uncle who lived in Key West. Uh, He wasn't gay, but he was very open-minded and he understood me you know he had lived in key west for 30 years he had plenty of gay friends Um, and so i moved in with him when i was 17 and started stripping at a strip club (laughs) in key west and i was like oh my god i can finally be gay and it's okay and and, you know i can have sex with whoever i want and it was you know a lot of fun um and i did that until i until like right before i turned 18 and then my parents had convinced my uncle to try to talk to me about joining the military because they thought that if I joined the military, then that would straighten me out. And so my uncle was a retired command sergeant major from the army. He was a retired uh, postal worker and a retired prison guard. So he had you know, five houses, six cars, seven boats, and I was living with him, and he was giving me um, like a daily allowance, 
for food and stuff. And plus, I was making a lot of money at the strip club. So I had all this money coming to me, living like he lives, you know, in his lifestyle. Uh, and I had nothing to spend it on. I was 17. So I would take my aunt shopping for clothes. I bought my uncle a riding lawnmower. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, just just living, you know, like yeah. with no responsibilities. And uh, so he and I were both big into cars. And so he... Right before I turned 18, he was like, um, he's like, you know that at the time I really wanted a Chrysler Crossfire because it had just come out. And he's like, I'll tell you what, he's like, if you, if you want to live like this, he's like, you can have all this. He's like, you can join the military. So if you join the military and you can retire when you're 20 and you can have, you know, just as much as I have. And he said, and I'll even do it better. He said, I'll give you, I'll buy you a Chrysler Crossfire. And I'll have it here waiting for you when you get out of the military. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, you know, still on the fence. But then I would go to strip at the strip club and there'd be all these Navy guys that come in and I'd be hooking up with these Navy guys, you know? And I'm like, I mean, I guess if I went into the Navy, I'm like, then at least I could still have sex with all the guys I wanted to. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I joined the military thinking it was going to be a big gay orgy, which it was not. <laughs> so, so I joined for all the wrong reasons. I was trying to get uh, a car and dick and ass, and it just didn't work. <laughs> That's not how it worked out. How long were you in for? Uh, from 2000, so I, I turned 18, uh, in 2003 and then I was I think either 2002 or 2003 and then I was there until 2005 so I didn't quite do four years I did three years and uh, it just wasn't for me I, I had to you know hide who I was it was during don't ask don't tell uh, and just being afraid to be me it was like being in the closet all over again you know I had just had like a little taste of what it was like to be out and free and then I was right back into the same thing where I couldn't be me I couldn't you know do anything gay or, or risk you know being court-martialed and all this stuff yeah but, that yeah. would fucking god I can't even imagine how that would feel because like you said you go from in this like really restricted closet to oh my god I'm praying be myself oh just kidding yeah, no. like at least before you didn't know what this felt like, right? But having experiences and then going back would just be a hundred times worse. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh. So I, um, I actually started drinking a lot um, to try to like deal with it. And uh, the last year that I was in the military, I, I went to, uh, I was in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom, and I was uh, stationed on the USS George Washington um, with VFA-136 Nighthawks. I was a um, plane captain. And so I was doing all my stuff at work, but then any chance I got, I was getting drunk because it was the only way I could deal with, you know, my situation. Um, and then we were in... Um, uh, we had landed in Dubai or no yeah we were in Dubai and uh, me and a bunch of friends we all went out in Dubai we had 
liberty, like which is like your, your time off, you know, like your free time. So we all went out drinking and partying and stuff. And we get back to the ship. And I was like, apparently trashed getting back to the ship. And I didn't know it. And so I woke up the next morning um, and we had, we were supposed to do work or something. I don't remember, but I got in trouble because I didn't show up for what I was supposed to do. And so that was like, you know, one offense or whatever. So then the next ports were uh, Italy. We went to um, Naples and we go out and drinking in Naples and stuff. And I had signed up for this overnight tour in Rome the next day. And so my friend and I at the time, we'd go out drinking and we'd get trashed again. And I was apparently um, too drunk to cross the... Um, I can't remember what it's called, like the, the catwalk or whatever it's called. It's called something. But I was too drunk to cross it to get on the ship, so they had to escort me uh, to my barracks, or like to the, you know, my bed. And so I didn't know this. So the next morning, we were supposed to get up and leave for this overnight tour. It's like 4 a.m. is when we had to get up and get dressed and get ready to go. So my friend wakes me up. I'm still drunk. I'm still hungover. We're getting dressed. I get all you know, my clothes on and everything, and I get off the ship, onto the ferry, I'm throwing up on the ferry, we get into the bus, and then the bus takes us from Naples into Rome, and it stops along all the sightseeing places, and every single time it stops, I'm in the back, throwing up in the corner, and I was at, you know, 19, 18, 19 at this time, and so every single stop that we went to, the Roman Colosseum, the Vatican, like, these, all these Treve fountains and all this stuff and I'm throwing up in the back so then I get back to the ship and I find out that I was never supposed to have left the ship because I had gotten in trouble for being too drunk the night before so then when, once I got uh, back to the States uh, then I was like put up for uh, being court-martialed because I had gotten in trouble too many times and so when I went into the, and a little bit of previous history before I left to go on the cruise, on the Mediterranean cruise on the ship, I had also been known to throw these parties at my barracks on base. Whoa. And everybody who left my party was always drunk and always, like, you know, falling over and shit. So the captain had already heard of me. And so um, I get back to, and I get, you know, I go into to see the captain and he's like uh you know how are how is, how is this working out for you how do you like the navy and i was like honestly i do not like it at all i was like, this is not what i signed up for i don't want to be here he's like well i'll tell you what he's like you are corrupting my navy <laughs> so i think it's a mutual uh thing that you don't want to be here and i'm like i would agree <laughs> it's like so he's let me out early i i got out before my four years was up Wow. Mutually beneficial to the both of us. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I mean, like, part of me is like, holy fuck, but the other part's like, yeah, no, we were all young and stupid yeah. and wild at one point or another. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I was, I was too young to take on that kind of responsibility and to inexperience. Like I had no idea what I was signing up for. Yeah. I literally, so 
I literally turned 18 and then four days later was shipped to, to boot camp. So I had no time to like think about it. I had no time to research anything. Like, you know, I just went. Well, there's also no internet back then either. Oh yeah, nobody had cell phones. Yeah, we didn't have like it wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't just go Google what's the Navy like. Yeah, no. My experience so, of the Navy was fucking all the sailors, <laughs> so that's why I was like, "Sure, I could do this." <laughs> so, did you get the car when you got back? Oh no! So while I was in the military, my uncle passed away from cancer. Yeah. So that never happened. Shit, dude. Oh, man, you've been through the ringer. Like, seriously. So, you do that, you come to a mutually, you know, uh, beneficial arrangement, you leave. I'm assuming you had no place to stay because your uncle. What happened then? Um, So, my, my grandmother... And my grandfather owned this uh, lake house on the lake in Tennessee. And I grew up, you know, going there all the time with my family. And so my grandmother, she wasn't really aware of, I mean, she knew I was gay. I told her that I was gay. And because I told her because my mom, she was like, your mother, your grandmother's going to die. She just, she can't hear this. She will never understand. I'm like, mom, I'm pretty sure she's going to be fine with it. And so I told her, I was like, you know, I call her Mamaw. I was like, Mamaw, I just want to let you know I'm gay. She's like, oh, honey, that doesn't matter. She's like, you can have friends and and boyfriends. She's like, but just don't have sex with them. I'm like, okay. It's like, whatever you think, you know, whatever makes you happy. So, so she knew, um, but she also knew she never liked my dad anyway from the beginning before they ever got married, my grandmother was always against him. Yeah. So uh, they, she offered that I could stay at the lake house until I figured out what I wanted to do. So I, I lived at the lake house for a summer um, before I uh, rent my got my own apartment. What did you start doing? What did you do for a living before you got into construction? Uh, I was uh, a industrial coder, which is a fancy name for a painter at a chemical plant. Oh, okay. I um, was out in the field, uh, you know, like painting pipelines and uh, chemical tanks and that kind of stuff. I did that for three years um, and then wasn't really like I knew that's not what I wanted to do, you know forever I wanted to do something else so I went to college um, and got a degree and then I ended up going back to the same people to work for the same company but instead of being out in the field I was a database administrator so I had had an office um, and then I just got bored like I was there for three years doing that and I just got I had basically automated my whole job I had you know, wrote these programs to run everything that needed to go. But I was supposed to do, I had just programmed it all to just do it on its own. So after, you know, a year of just playing on Facebook every day, I was like, I 
don't want to do this anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm over this. And I was also doing, um, at the same time, I was uh, personal training and I was uh, painting houses on the side, just, you know, for extra money. Um, and so when I quit, uh, I showed the, um, the president of the company, he, he was like, well, can you, you know, train someone to do your job before you leave? And I was like, honestly, let me show you. So I showed him the program. I was like, all you do is click this button and the job is done. And he was like, he's like, are you sure you want to leave? I was like, yes, I don't want to sit here all day. <laughs> like I'm done. And so he turned it in as a cost savings to the company because he didn't have to hire a replacement. So he's like, if you ever need a job, please come back. I was like, I will not be back. <laughs> I, was like, I can't sit at a desk all day. I need, I need to be active. I need to be, you know, doing something. I mean, did that job pay you well? I mean, I thought it did at the time because it was, you know, that was, I don't even remember. I think I started at like seven something an hour when I was in the field. And then right before I went to college, I think I was making maybe 10 something an hour. And then once I got back and I was in an office, I, I don't, I don't remember if I was, I might have been making like 20 something an hour. I don't really remember, but it, it, it was good for that area, I guess, but it, it's still Tennessee. It's not where I wanted to be. You know, I knew there was like yeah. bigger, better things in life and it's just not where I wanted to be. I get that. What'd you get your degree in? Uh, my degrees in, um, um, computer aided drafting and design and construction management. Oh shit! Because I, I always wanted to do, I always wanted to build things. Ultimately, I wanted to. Initially, I wanted to do architecture, but then once I found out that architecture is very restricted to like city codes, and you know you can't really do all the things you want to do because it has to fall within all these certain criteria and stuff. So that's when I was, I was like, I don't really care about that anymore. I want to be the person doing the work. I, yeah, I can design it, but I also want to build it to make sure that it is exactly, you know, how I want it to be. And so that's what I started doing. Um, I first started working uh, with a friend and her interior design um, firm and was just kind of doing 3D models for clients uh, to show kind of like what we could do and, you know, how things would look. And then it started to get to where they would want to like more than just interior design, they would want to like remodel, you know, and like move walls and add things. And so then I was like looking for people to do that kind of work. I was like looking for contractors, you know, like um, subcontractors and stuff. And I just, nobody ever did it the way I wanted it done. So I just started doing it myself. I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm just going to do it. So I went and I bought a bunch of tools and I started doing everything myself. And then that just kind of gradually increased and and then i started getting more more business on my own and then i moved and started my own business and got my license and i've been doing that ever since damn okay yeah you, fuck you you know what you remind me of is this um can't remember bill gates said it but there's a famous quote where it's like if i have a really difficult task i'm going to give it to the laziest person or something 
because they're going to find the most efficient way to do it. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. But, like, the fact that you automated your own job, that's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. Well, all, all of my friends know me as a problem solver. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, and that's, that's one thing that um, a lot of people say is, like, you know, if there's a problem, I'll solve it. And it doesn't really, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking to gain anything out of anything. I just, I want to live a simpler, easier, less dramatic life. So, like, the, whatever I can do to make things simple and easy and fun, that's what I'm going to do. And I don't, I don't really care how much it costs. I just, I want to, I want things to be simple, fun, and easy. So, <laughs> that's, that's how I've been. Are you German by chance? Like ethnicity? Uh, no. So my 23andMe said that I was 98% um, Eastern European. And like Scottish and Irish was the highest on there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the reason why I ask is because like Germans, like there's that joke, if you want something done efficiently, put a German on it. Oh yeah, and you just seem to be very like. <laughs> There's an easier way to do this shit. Yeah, well, I learned a lot doing that um, that job, the industrial coding job, because every day I was scrutinized. You know, I I because you have to you're supposed to paint these pipelines and uh, the tanks and stuff, and it's not for aesthetics; it's for functionality. Like you actually have to make sure that every single square inch of the steel is covered and the protective coating because you know sometimes like chemicals will go in it and if there's a you know a missed spot or something then it could cause a problem like you know a corrosion or, or something like that so every single day whatever i had done for the day was inspected all the time and so every time that there was something wrong i would have to go back and fix it and so i got tired of you know i wanted to make sure that my there was nothing ever wrong with my my work and so that's why I was able to move up really quickly in the company was because I was always making sure that there were narrow issues with my work. Like whatever I did, I made sure I did it completely so that nobody could say I didn't do something. I was always above and beyond. Right. I would finish my work and then I would go and help other people. Like, I, And I would like pick out other people's missed spots. Be like, oh, you missed a spot here. You missed a spot there. And so that's, I like, you know, I rose in the ranks because I was making sure that the job got done. Very meticulous. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so one thing about you that I when I read it, I was just like, what the fuck, really? I'm willing to bet most people watching this have no idea. But you're also a pilot. Like, so, the fuck? I, so in um, 2012, 2012 or between 2012, 13, and 14, um, I got into this relationship that allowed me a lot of free time. Um, and so one of the things I did, I was like, oh, well, I've always wanted to learn how to fly. <clears throat> so I would go every day and um, take uh, private pilot license courses. And it was mostly just for fun because I loved flying. I loved being in the air. Um, but I was also, you know, like, going through the school to get my private pilot license. Um, and there was, I've had like some really cool experiences just 
flying around in Knoxville, Tennessee, and um, we had this. Uh, I met these like Swedish couple once at the bar, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, uh, I, I was going to go flying that night. I was going to do my first uh, overnight flight, which is where I was going to fly from Knoxville to uh, Nashville, and turn around and come back, do like a touch and go, and then come back. And it just happened to be during a meteor shower. And so I met this uh, really cute couple. It was a guy, a gay guy and a girl uh, that was in from Switzerland. And they were um, doing some audits on a company in Knoxville at the time. And I was like, uh, I, I thought the guy was really cute. And I knew he was gay, but he was afraid. I think he was afraid to like to do anything in front of her. So I was like, um, you guys should come with me tonight. And they're like, come with you where? I'm like, come with me on a little flight. And they're like, I just met you. I'm not going to get in a plane with you. I'm like, no, come on. It'll be fun. Like, so I convinced them to come with me. So this like Swedish, you know, people that were there doing an audit on a company got in a private plane with me and I flew them from Knoxville all the way down to Nashville in the middle of a meter shower where there's like, you know, these like comets in the sky, just everywhere. And we get back and he's like, I, this is like so magical. He's like, I've never done anything like this. He's like, I don't even know how to describe this to anyone. Wow. <laughs> he's like, I just, I just got into playing with a random stranger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but wasn't it fun? And they're like, yes, it was amazing. <laughs> wow. The, I, I'm just, I'm trying to understand that because usually... People like learn knitting or <laughs> not to fly. Like, what the fuck? Well, you gotta have, you know, go big. You know, why not? So do you I just was, have, Well, have like a, I said, I'm, I'm not afraid to die, right? So I also, at the time, I had a motorcycle and I was driving a very fast car as well. So I would, you know, get home from flying, get on my bike, drive from the airport to the house get in the car and drive down, you know, downtown to go out at night and stuff. So it was just a very fast life, fast paced. Jesus. What bike did you have? What kind of bike? Yeah. It was a uh, Ninja, uh, Kawasaki Ninja. It was a, just a, like a street bike. It was the first bike I ever had though. So 600 or a thousand? Uh, no, I think it was, I think it was a 600. Uh -huh. I don't remember. The, the car was the better one. What do you have as far as a car? Now, this is where things get tricky. So, oh, it was a 2010 Bentley Continental Super Sport GT. Wow. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, that relationship that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. It was a relationship that allowed me a lot of free time. <clears throat> and uh, he had a thing for cars. And when we got together, uh, I was driving a 2004 Honda Accord that I had bought myself. And we got together and he was like, uh, you can't drive that car anymore. And I was like, why not? It's like the only thing I own. You know, I'm like, what's wrong with it? He's like, just trust me. He's like, he needs to get rid of that car. And I was like, but this is like, you know, I'm nervous about it because this is a new relationship and he's asking me to sell my car. But I knew that he had, you know, 
I knew that money wasn't really an option for him. So I was like, well, if I sell it, then when am I going to drive? He's like, sell it, and I promise you will not be disappointed. So I was like, all right. I mean, after a few months of, like, living with him and, like, seeing how he lives his life, I was like, all right, I'll sell my car. So I sold my car, and then he bought me a brand-new Mercedes uh, C250, and that was my, like, first car. And then two days after he bought it, a lady ran into the back of me and, like, fucked it up. So then my everyday car became a 2010 Bentley Continental Supersport GT. And I was driving that every day. And then he also had a um, Maserati Gran Turismo that I would drive every occasion, like, occasionally um, just for fun. And so I was driving these, like, super fast cars, driving my motorcycle, flying planes. You know, I was just, I was just living, just traveling all around the world, just having fun. Hmm. I'm curious what that relationship was like, because one of my favorite quotes, my best friends always said it is, marry someone for their money and you'll earn every penny. Well, yeah, it was it was definitely work. Uh, he had a drinking problem, so it was, you know, it was always sort of like I was babysitting him whenever we went out and stuff. Um, and I was always trying to like just keep the peace, I guess, between him and his kids. He had kids at the time, and it was just a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah. What, what, how long did that last? What made it end? Three years. Um, I, I guess was just kind of over it. And, uh, we were in Puerto Vallarta. We had brought his, um, youngest son to Puerto Vallarta. And we were, um, I took him out on a scuba diving trip and we went scuba diving for the day. And then on the way back, um, he was uh, 16 at the time. And on the way back, uh, they were serving these drinks on the catamaran. And so I was drinking and I got drunk on the catamaran with him. And then when we got back to the hotel and stuff, I mean, we had a good time. He was like laughing, you know, everything was fun. He was having a good time. I wasn't like too drunk to take care of him, but he was also 16. He could take care of himself, but we were fine. And we got back and... He was just really pissed that I had gotten drunk with when I was out trying to, you know, supposed to be responsible and take care of his son. Um, But at the same time, he had been drinking all day at the pool, so he was also drunk. And we just got into this big argument. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Let's just let's just go. And so we left the next day and uh, got on a plane and went back and then split. But the funny part about that was. uh, when we first got together, he he didn't have any any sort of like um, rewards points or like loyalty points with any airline or anything like that. And he traveled a lot. And I told him, I was like, "This is so stupid. You should. You're just you're you're just giving money away. Like you could be earning like you know stuff for all this stuff." So I signed up for a lot of stuff while we were together. And then we had been traveling a lot. So on the way back from that uh, Puerto Vallarta trip, 
I got upgraded for free to first class while he was in the back. <laughs> and we had just split up. And so I'm sitting directly in front of him in first class, and he and his son are sitting directly behind me in the first seats of economy. <laughs> and I'm like passing cookies back to his son <laughs> like from first class. <laughs> it was funny at the time. So, all right, that relationship ends when, how old were you at this point, roughly? Uh, I, uh, it was, um, 20, I don't know, actually, maybe 2015. And how'd you meet your husband? Uh, so I actually met him before all of this happened. Uh, I met him before I got with that guy. Oh. Uh, I was his personal trainer when I was training and still working at the chemical plant. And he was in college. Uh, So I met him. We just kind of, we were just friends, you know, just, I would go and train him and then I would, we would hook up. Uh, And then after he graduated college, at that time I had already moved in with the other guy. Um, But we maintained our friendship and stuff. And then he was in uh, America, he was Taiwanese, and he was in, um, on a, like an education thing, uh, H1B1 visa. So right after college, he had like a limited time to get a job or he would have to go you know, back to Taiwan. So um, he was looking around for jobs in the area, and I had a lot of uh, friends in Knoxville at the time who owned companies, like big corporations and companies. So I, uh, you know, told him he could come down and, and kind of interview with these people and see if he could get a job. And so he did. He came and he got a job with, with one of my friends, um, and then the guy that I was dating at the time, we also had a, 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 like a condo in downtown and he had a house in West Knoxville. Um, I stayed primarily at the condo and he lived at the house with his kids every now and then. His kids you know, had visitation. Um, so Ethan was like, well, you know, if I'm gonna, I need to look for a place if I'm gonna you know, take this job. And at this, at the same time, um, my the guy that I was dating was also looking for someone to help take care of the kids, like so that we could go and travel more. So it just kind of worked out that um, Ethan moved into the condo with me in downtown Knoxville, and was taking care of the kids for my boyfriend whenever we would go and travel. So it just kind of worked out that we all kind of like Ethan and I lived together. Um, we weren't dating or anything. We we're just best friends, but we had been romantically involved previously. And then, um, the boyfriend and I would like travel around the world. And, and then it wasn't until, um, right before he, he didn't hold a job long enough to stay. So he was going to have to leave and go back to Taiwan. And, uh, it was actually my boyfriend's idea at the time 
but he was like, well, what if you guys got married? Then he could stay. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess if you're okay with that. He's like, well, I just don't want to know about it. I'm like, I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose, but I guess, whatever. So, but secretly, Ethan had always, you know, wanted that anyway, but not in the same way, you know. But that's what, so we did. We got married, um, and then he was able to stay, and, you know, we were still living together. We were still together and stuff. And then when uh, the boyfriend and I broke up, um, Ethan and I moved into our own place on the lake and started, like, actually being like husbands, like together. Wow. Damn. So it's a whole random chain of events and the, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And I, I get what you mean about having lived a full life. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you were doing construction you uh you know so you start filming yourself all that you go you shoot with Rocco Steel that blows up what'd you do from there you're just like fucking I'm gonna jump all in and you just well I, so I was still under the name uh, Tarzan Top Triple XL and that's just just because like way previously my grinder name was Tarzan and so when I was like trying to find a name to start my OnlyFans and to start this porn thing I was like I'll just use Tarzan but Tarzan was taken so I was like alright well I kept trying all these combinations and I asked some of my friends and they're like what about Tarzan top and I was like alright so I tried that and it was taken so I was like what about Tarzan top and then some one of my friends was like but if you put three X's in it, then you don't have to, you have less uh, issues with your stuff getting restricted because you're already kind of proclaiming that your stuff is going to be X-rated. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay, so what about Tarzan top triple XL? And I was, and so that's just, you know, it stuck. And I went with that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I did that and it worked out great until, uh, I got approached by a studio. And, and then they want a real name. They were like, you, you, we can't use Hard's Hand Top. And I was like, okay. Uh, so they were like, it'll be, um, we were thinking Adam Snow. And I was like, I, yeah, I could do that. I like that. And then I was um, having a conversation with um, Austin Wolf's manager in Mykonos, I think it was at the time. And he was like, um, if you, I, and I was, I told him about this situation where that was going to have to come up with a name and, you know, I don't know what it should be or, or if I want to change it. And then I would, if I did change it, then I would have to change all my social medias. And I was like, I just don't know. You know, I was asking him about it. I was like, so what do you think? What, what should I do? And he's like, um, well, my advice would be if you're going to do it go all in and do it right and so I was like okay I'll do that so I, I changed my name to Adam Snow on all social media platforms and then just kind of took over the Adam Snow um, 
name and changed everything and made it a thing. So that's when it became like, um, I was all in. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go all in. And so I did. Okay. So, okay, one question, I keep forgetting to ask this. One thing I'm super, super curious about is like, your fucking physique is like, retardedly impressive. For those of you watching, <laughs> you gotta look at Adam's physique like, without a shirt. But anyways, how the fuck do you maintain that while traveling so much? It's a lot of fucking. <laughs> it really is all it is. <laughs> I really? Just fucking, I mean, I, I haven't been to the gym consistently since um, I went to a friend's wedding in Hawaii in 2020. Yeah, in January of 2020. And that was the last time that I, like, was fully into the gym because uh, previously I was in the gym every, like, five days a week. Uh, I had a trainer, and I was, like, going to the gym religiously. And then after that, um, I came back, and I just kind of never really got back into it. I tried, but I just was, like, too preoccupied, too busy. And then, you know, like, once you fall out of the routine, it's really hard to get back into it. Um, And then I started traveling a lot, and now it's just, I don't, I mean, I, I have a gym membership for the gym at home, but I'm just... I've been home 26 days this whole year. So it's like, I just, I don't really have time to go to the gym anymore. And I, I run into friends who live in the same town and they're like, do you still live here? I'm like, I mean, I do. I just, I'm not there very often. Like, I don't know. Dude, if I only went to the gym that many times this year, I'd be like fat as fuck. My ass would jiggle. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> But I also eat very healthy. Like I never, I've never been into like junk food and snacks. And I cook a lot. Like last night, um, I'm I'm here in Vegas right now with some friends, and uh, we cooked uh, ribeyes and lobster tail, and uh, we had like Brussels sprouts and potatoes. And then, of course, we were all supposed to go film last night. We were supposed to do this big group thing, and then shortly after we ate, we're like, all right, let's take a thirty minute nap. Oh, and then we woke up three hours later. And we're like, "Fuck, <laughs> we missed it." <laughs> like, how are you eating healthy while traveling? Like, for breakfast and lunch and all the other meals. Because um, I'm so traveling, I just eat out all the time. I do eat out for dinner a lot, but anytime I can, I, I like to cook. But breakfast, I always cook or have somebody like here. Um, my friend Eddie is cooking breakfast, but it's like bacon and eggs for breakfast. Um, my favorite breakfast place is in, um, uh, Miami. Um, do you know who, um, Anand Bottom MIA? Do you know who he is? He's a really good friend of mine, but, uh, there's this, uh, French bakery that's right in front of his old place and they have these amazing croissants and they make, uh, a really good bacon, egg and cheese croissant. And it's, that's been like my go-to breakfast item. So anytime I get a chance, I make that um, or have that. And then I eat lunch. It's usually like sushi or a poke bowl, like something light and fresh. Um, I eat a lot of seafood. 
uh, and then I just I don't eat again until dinner. So I, I don't really snack. If I do snack, it's like pistachios or almonds or you know something like or fruits. I love fruit, that kind of stuff. Okay, and obviously some really good genetics. I mean, yeah, yeah, that helps. <laughs> so why like home for you is where? I live in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a little you... gay beach town. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever Have you ever been? Have you ever heard of it? Never. Never once heard of it. Yeah. So that's where uh, Joe Biden has a summer home. There. He's oh. from there. He's from the area. So this is cute little gay beach town. Um, it's very clean. It's very like up kept up kept. It's very nice. The houses are gorgeous. Um, I have a few like really good clients. Uh, when I first moved there, I was taking on everybody. I was doing like, you know, trying to build a business, and I was like working as much as I could. I didn't really go to the beach that much. Uh, I was just trying to like bury myself in work and trying not to think of, you know, everything I just went through. And so I've, I've built a big reputation there. Um, and then over the years, I've kind of scaled it back. So I only, I don't need necessarily need a hundred clients. I only need like three or four really good ones. And so that's what I've got now. I've got just like three or four very good clients who are constantly buying houses and having me do the flips. So that's okay. what I do. So why are you traveling so much? Just for collabs and shoots and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, mostly. Uh, I try to get at least one video a day whenever I travel to make it worth traveling. Yeah. yeah. But so, sometimes I'll do like, you know, three or four videos in one day. So I can, you know, make up for the rest. And then sometimes oh. I do when I don't make any videos. So. How the fuck does your dick not fall off? Trimex. <laughs> no, I, I assumed that, but like three or four times in one day, I mean, that stuff's meant to be used every other day. Well, yeah, but I can film because I'll, I'll do it. I'll do a shot of Trimex and my dick will be hard for like, you know, five or six hours. So then I can like go back to back with a few people and get some good content. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So, so you're shooting once a day when you're traveling. At least, yeah. Jesus. And you said you've been home like a month this year. Yeah. All right, so... How has your life changed since getting into porn, positive and negative? Uh, well, the positive is I've, I've been able to travel more because now, you know, I, I can justify it because I travel to meet up with people because it's not easy to get to Rehoboth. Like, I've, I've had a few uh, collabs in Rehoboth. Like, I'll invite people down uh, to come and do, like, a collab house. But it's not easy to get to because you have to fly into Philly and then rent a car and drive two hours to get to where I live. So it's much easier for me to go somewhere and meet up with somebody or, or you know, a 
or go to a hosted OnlyFans house or like the studio will send me places, you know, and, and that's easier because everybody's in one place when I get there. Yeah. So, but it is a lot of traveling, um, which I love. And I do get recognized every now and then, which I also love. <laughs> I was uh, just recently in April, I was at a, uh, a straight uh, um, party in the jungle in Mexico. It was called Zamna. And I was there with some friends and I'm standing in line to enter this event. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, are you Tarzan? <laughs> I was like, I used to be. <laughs> He's like, I follow you. I was like, oh, okay, nice. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I do like that. Damn. All right. So, like, have you ever considered like buying or renting a house, like in Vegas, for example, or LA? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the process now of trying to figure out what the next steps are going to be um, because it is kind of getting annoying. Like anytime I want to fly, which like I said, I've been traveling a lot. But what I've been recently doing is just going from one place to another and not going home because it is an adventure to get home because I have to, you know, like when I leave to fly somewhere, I have to drive two hours. I leave my truck at the airport usually, and it costs oh, a lot of money shit. to park there. And I'm gone for a long time. So now what I do is I have friends that will drive drive me to the airport, drop me off, and then I'll go from, you know, from ten days in Atlanta to five days in Minneapolis to three days in New York to you know two days somewhere else. Like I just keep going from one place to another, so I don't have to keep this two-hour drive that much and Rehoboth in the off season is very low key like there's nobody there it's very just the people who live there you know it's very not a lot going on um so I, I don't know I'm, I'm I've been thinking more about maybe going somewhere closer to an airport but I kind of like the the small town the beach town like small beach town I like that vibe no. Uh, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I think eventually, yeah, we'll go somewhere. I just don't know where yet. Uh, you turn your camera back. Louise. This way. Yes. There we go. Okay. So, as far as like all the, what do you prefer, studio or your own content? Uh, I like them both. I like the studio because it's less work. Cause I just show up and I do whatever they need me to do. And I, you know, I say the lines that they have me to say. And, uh, but also it's the studio that I'm with. I really like, I have done some work now with several studios and they are not all the same. Yeah. And this one is very easy, very laid back. Um, everybody's more like, uh, really good friends. Like, you know, it's, it's very like sort of like a close knit little family. Um, so it's a lot of fun. So I do like that. And then the, and I also like that I don't, I don't really know. And I don't ask you know, like who I'm filming with until I get there and I meet them. So that I like, um, but then like the only fan stuff, you know, I like setting it up. Um, 
but it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get everybody to follow through. Like you know, things will happen and people will cancel, and it just ends up being a little bit more hectic because it's not always guaranteed. Yep. So I'm curious, like when it comes to like your collabs, like OnlyFans. If you averaged it out at the end of the year, what percentage would you say cancel or no show or whatever? Uh, well, this year I've only had one, two, three. I've only had about four or five cancel this year. Oh, wow. So far. But it still it's a, it's it changes the whole you know like just recently I was in um, Minneapolis with Bax and we were supposed to have uh, Kyle Denton and uh, the Ginger Fox and I can't remember there were some more people that were supposed to join us um, but some issues came up and so you know people had to cancel so it was just Bax and I. Um, we decided just to go follow through and, you know, we would get the content on our own. And, uh, oh, and we met up with uh, Ethan Tate and he was with us. So we made it work, you know, there's still three of us. We got plenty of footage. Um, and Bax is gorgeous. I love his body. He's like so just incredible. Um, but yeah, he's a lot of fun and, and we, you know, we made it work. So that's just the main thing is if you have the attitude that, you know, don't don't let shit get you down. You know, you can't control everything. Make the best of what you got. So, yeah. So, what's sex with you like? Different off camera versus on camera, or is there a difference? There's not really a difference. I mean, I I have sex because I like the intimacy. I like you know being and like showing that to people um so there's usually always a connection with whoever i'm with like i try to like make sure people see that it's not just for show you know it's not like a wham bam thank you ma'am kind of thing it's like a, oh like i genuinely i'm gonna enjoy this you know like i really want to eat your ass i like really want to fuck you that kind of thing so um but sometimes i can get carried away like when i first meet someone and forget to turn the cameras on. So <laughs> that's happened a few times. Um, but then we just do it again. So, <laughs> uh -huh. so, all right. And I asked this to everyone, let's say hypothetically speaking, you can only have sex in two positions for the rest of your life. You only get two. What two are you picking? Uh, Missionary and doggy. Because missionary I like because I can also suck their dick while I'm fucking them. And then Wait. doggy style I like because I can like, I kind of like to grab on to the person and like hold them really tight right before I come. And that makes me come quick. <laughs> How the fuck do you suck someone's dick while you fuck them? Have you seen my videos? <laughs> Do you not have a spine? No, yeah. I just, it works. I'll show you. Actually, I'm going to be filming with someone later today. 
that I plan to do that with. Okay. I got to see this. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) No, I've never seen someone do that before, ever. Oh, yeah. I do it. It doesn't happen to everybody because the other person has to have a dick long enough to make it work. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that do. And so I, I, I enjoy that. That's one of the things that makes me really hard is if I have like a dick down my throat while I'm fucking somewhere. That like just makes me so hard. Yeah, I don't know. Like, because for me, like when I watch a porno, when I've seen your content, like I'm the type where I just watch certain positions. Uh-huh. Like, I, the, I, I'm not interested like? in the, the, sorry? What positions do you like? I like, uh, so missionary where you're like bent over, like there's a video, you're fucking a guy on a balcony and you're like kissing him as you're fucking him. That, yeah. and then writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like, I like writing too. Um, but I have to be like, at, like rock hard for that position to work. And I'm, if I'm doing Trimax, then that works out fine. But if I'm not doing Trimax, sometimes that position doesn't really work the best. So that's yeah. why I like Yeah, no, 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 I get that. I'm talking about from, like, a consumer point of view. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, watching is a little different than performing. Right. Like, what, what, like, let's say you're watching a porno. What, what, what do you, like, do you go for the money shot? Do you go for the whole video? Like, I like watching the dick pull out and go all the way in and then come all the way out. Okay. I like watching the dick go all the way in and all the way out. Okay. That's well, do you have any stories from doing porn that really, really stand out? Um... I don't know. I mean, like, not that I can think of. Okay, is there anything that you had never tried and then it happens on camera and you're like, oh shit, I really like that? Mm. Well, the first time I ever DP'd someone was on camera. And then I, I really liked it. And I've done it a lot since then. <laughs> okay, going back to your original story with Rocco, how the fuck did that work? That was the, the first DP. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know that. But, like, you and I are, are pretty similar in size, and you've got the girth. And, like, anytime I've tried DP, it feels like my dick's in a goddamn vice. I'm like, it physically fucking hurts. So do you guys find, like, the loosest bottom on planet Earth or something? Well, so for that scene, he already had this guy lined up. I had never met him before. Um, And so when I got there, that was the first time I met him. And Rocco is very thick as well. And so, like, he likes guys who have more of a, I don't want to say loose, but, like. Fisting bottom. Yeah, basically, like, who can open up a lot. Um, so he was, you know, he wasn't 
um, someone who hadn't been fucked much. He was someone who had, who could take it, uh-huh. and did take it very well. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, what does the future look like for you? I mean, obviously, you know, you've lived a full life. You got a life you love right now. What does the future look like, though? I mean, hopefully, I will eventually own a bunch of rental properties and live on a beach and just keep fucking. That's what I want. <laughs> Whether I do it on camera or not is, you know, we'll see however long the body holds up. Yeah, that was yeah. going to be my next question. Yeah. Wow, okay. All right. I mean, you definitely have a look that'll age well, though. Well, thank you. I mean, because you got the whole, like, daddy thing going on. You know, you're bald. Like, shit, you could do this till you're 60 if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Speaking of the bald head, when do you start shaving your head and why? Just for my own curiosity. Well, so, I um, had a full, like, my hair was, like, down to here. A blonde hair when I first went to the military. And then when they shaved my head, they shaved it completely off. And it I felt like so, you know, just, I didn't know who I was at the time. Because I was just, you know, had been free for like a few months. And then all of a sudden I'm back into this closeted situation. And I hated the way I looked because I had never had no hair. And I had like no hair. And my head was like super white because I had a lot of hair and I was tan. So then when I shaved it all off, my head was white and I'm just, I felt so awkward. I was just, I hated the way I looked. Uh, so I wore a lot of hats. Um, and then I just started finally, eventually just keeping it shaved and then shaving it like on my own. Even once I got out of the military, there was a while where I tried to grow my hair back, but I just, I hated the way it looked. So I just have been keeping it shaved. And now I just kind of own it. You know, I'm like, fuck it. I just, it's easy. I don't have to think about it. I shave like every three days. I shave it. And that's it. And so, just to be clear, like, you're gay gay, right? Or is there any... I did just recently do uh, an FTM shoot, uh, which was a a female to male uh, trans shoot. That was the first time I'd ever done that. Um, and it was fun. It was, I, you know, showed up, I did my part, uh, but the model um, couldn't take it. So I wasn't able to, like, do more with, I was supposed to do more with the, with the same model, but we ended up just doing the one shoot, and then uh, she said it was, or he said it was too big. What? So, yeah. What yeah. the fuck, dude? <laughs> because usually a vagina can stretch a lot more than an asshole. I don't know. Do you know, like, what your circumference is? Uh, yes. I am uh, seven inches around. Oh. Wow. And do you ever have guys, like, have you ever planned to shoot, and you have a guy just be like, yeah, no. 
Like, that ain't going in me. Not a planned shoot does happen that way, but, like, I've met, like, when I meet somebody who doesn't know who I am, and then whenever, like, it gets down to where we get ready to have sex, then that's when it's happened, because they, (laughs) most people that I have sex with know who I am, so they know that I have a big dick. But occasionally, if I'm, like, out somewhere and I meet somebody who doesn't know anything about me and don't, you know, they have no preconceptions, when they see me fully hard, that's when they're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, just trust me, I'm really good at, like, going slow. I, like, I know how to work it. I know how to make sure that you, you know, feel good and you have a good time. Like, I'm not just going to, like, ram it in. You know, I, I know to be considerate and I... I am very patient when it comes to sex. Like, I'm not, I'm not just trying to like, you know, get in and get out. Like, I, I want it to be enjoyable for the both of us. So I will definitely take my time. And sometimes, like, if, if it's somebody who's like super tight or just is just not working initially, I'll like let myself kind of get soft, and then just put a bunch of lube on it, and then just kind of put it in soft so that it can just like slowly get hard inside of them and that seems to work out well so there are a bunch of tricks that i can do to make it not hurt that i have learned over the years (laughs) i was gonna say where did that appreciation that understanding come from because of getting told no a lot (laughs) because it was because it was too big so i was like let me just try it this way and then, you know, so enough of trying it multiple different ways, I've learned how to do it so that it doesn't hurt. Okay. And also, one thing I, I read about you, it said that you're into fire something. Oh, I, I spin fire. What the fuck? <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh, playing with fire. Yeah. I've always... <laughs> been you know <laughs> you like a little pyro kid yeah i was always you know campfires i always loved campfires and stuff and i have uh even at my house now i have a, a big outdoor uh, bonfire pit in the backyard uh then we have fires all the time well i used to when i was home i've had one this year and because i've only been home you know very slim uh but yeah I, i've always loved to to have fire and around me and stuff. And then I, when I first went to, I was in St. Martin. I, I think it was in St. Martin the first time I saw a fire spinner. Oh no, it was Bora Bora. I was in Bora Bora the first time I saw a fire spinner live in front of me. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I was like, I could totally do that. I'm like, that's so easy. Like, he's just spinning chains on, you know, fire. And so I had been spinning glow sticks, you know, like, in the club dancing I've since I was a teenager. Like, I, I knew how to do that. So I'm like, all you got to do is just light, you know, get the things that they light on fire and do that. So I did. I went and I bought some, and I started playing with fire in the backyard, and I just kept going and there's a lot of people i've actually ran into like a lot of people that i've filmed with who actually also spin fire what? so it's been fun I, i've uh 
I've made a few videos of like me spinning fire with people sucking my dick at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing you haven't lit anyone on fire by accident doing that. No, uh, I did have one friend who was at my house and we were all, I was spinning fire and he, he can spit fire and he, uh, spit fire out, but didn't get it all out and then went to breathe in and he, he like breathed the fire in and it did catch his face on fire. Holy um, shit. And that happened in my backyard at home one day. So that was not good. Um, but he eventually it healed. He kept a bunch of stuff on it and he looks fine now. But yeah, it was, it was scary. So I was up until that point, I had thought about learning to do that. But then after that, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I've yeah. caught my beard fire before, but not from spinning fire. That was from grilling. You caught your beard on fire grilling. Yeah. You know, those eggs, those like those big green egg grills. They're like ceramic eggs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so apparently you're not supposed to just open that. Like, you're supposed to, like, vent it before you open it. I didn't yeah. know this. And I was uh, grilling on a houseboat, on the roof of a houseboat in Tennessee. And I lifted that thing to flip the stakes. And this just ball of fire went whoosh, right in my face. And it singed all the hair on my beard. And I jumped off the roof into the water because I was, like, on fire. <laughs> so, Jesus. Yeah, so I've learned, you know, by trial and error. <laughs> so I'm guessing, would I be correct in assuming you're never going back to Tennessee? Uh, I go back occasionally, but it's usually, like, not happy things. So, like, if there's a death in the family or somebody's really sick... Uh, I'll go back. I've been back for a wedding, a friend's wedding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's just not, there's not a lot of good memories there. So, uh, I'm always down to try to make new ones, but you know, Tennessee is not high on my list. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I just, honestly, like your story about your parents is, it's touching a personal chord for me, but like, I, I can't fathom not coming around after 20 years, like 20 fucking years. You think like, you'd be like, you know what? This is bullshit. I love you, son. Come here. Yeah. No. How old are they now? Roughly. Uh, like 50s, 60s. Damn. Fuck. So, is there anything, since you seem to have a knack for inventing shit and making shit run efficiently and learning new things, is there anything you want to learn that you haven't already? That I want to learn that I haven't. Um... Oh, I do. I do want to uh, hang glide. I want to hang glide. I haven't done that yet, and I want to. Um, you know those those like I don't know what they're called, but like the go kart with a big fan on the back that flies. Oh yeah. I want to do that. 
yeah, those are like the only two things. I've done it. I've done pretty much everything else. There's there's some uh, some filming scenes that I want to do that I haven't done yet. Oh, that I, but it's hard to find somebody to do this with. Like what? I I want to find somebody who is also scuba certified, and I want to film a scene underwater, like in a tropical location. I want to film a underwater fuck scene while we're scuba diving. Is that even logistically possible? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't the salt water burn? No, I've had sex in the salt water a lot. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, that All right, that that's the most Yeah, no that that's up there. That's the one thing I want to do that I haven't done yet. So Okay. Anything else? I'm sure someone watching this is scuba certified. So if you're watching this and you are, please let us know in the comments. What else? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I do. I still haven't yet to uh, three P somebody. I've, I've tried it a couple times but i just can't get the position right so i don't know i don't know if it's possible with my dick or i don't know if it's just possible in general but i've been trying to figure that out i haven't figured it out yet so you need two other dudes with really long but thin dicks right (laughs) yeah all right last question like, since you seem to have traveled virtually anywhere and everywhere, what are your top three favorite places that you've been and why? Uh, Bora Bora, uh, Indonesia, uh, Bali, Indonesia, and probably Dubai. I think... Um, Bora Bora because it was just like a dream. I mean, it's like this fantasy island. It's just gorgeous every day. Crystal clear water, beautiful white sand. And there's just like, there's no nightlife there, but there's also no like busy, chaotic, nothing. It's just very peaceful and quiet and just gorgeous scenery everywhere. And people there, most everybody there is on vacation for like a honeymoon or, yeah. you know, to relax and get away. So it's very like paradise. I don't know. It's just like a new dream of a paradise at night. Like that's where I'm transported to. Okay. Um, Tahiti uh, is just, I don't know, sort of the same, but it's a little bit more like beachy like there's and at Bora Bora I stayed on this little um, tiki hut like over top of the water oh yeah and in Tahiti I stayed at like a resort but the pool at the resort was like a beach like you there's like sand and you like walk into the water and the pool has fish in it so there's like all these like tropical fish just like you know swimming all around you while you're swimming in the pool so I really like that that was really cool what uh, and then Dubai, I like just because it's so just different from anything else. It's like as rich and as lavish and like just 
you know, glitz and glam. It's just like whatever you can imagine is there. It's just like I was there just recently with some friends and we landed at the airport and the Rolls Royce picked us up, you know, and then drove us to the hotels and it was amazing. Yeah. I've never heard of a pool though like that that has sand and fish. What the fuck? Yeah, it was like it was like you're walking out into the beach, except it was the pool was made that way. And there's this corals and the you know, the fake corals, but there was like real fish. It's basically a big aquarium that you can just walk down into. Holy shit. Really cool. How much was that if you don't mind me asking? Like that trip? I don't remember. That was in 2010 that I was there. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember how much that was. Like, if you had to guess, what was the hotel a night? Uh, well, we were there for a week, so I, I don't know. I have honestly I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I, I'm just asking for myself. I'm super curious. I'm like, if that isn't that expensive, like. It's at the, I can tell you, it was at the Intercontinental in Tahiti. Okay, and that's not a cheap hotel. Yeah, if you check out the pool, though, it's really cool. Intercontinental in Tahiti. Okay, I'll check that out. So, for anyone watching this video, where can they find your social media, your fan sites, content, anything and everything you want to plug? So, my, uh, like I said, I went full in with the Adam Snow. So everything is all the same. It's Adam Snow XXX. And that's Twitter. That's uh, uh, just for fans, for my fans. Uh, the only thing is, I think the Instagram one is different. Um, the studio just recently started an Adam Snow Instagram for me. And I can't remember what that one is. But my um, personal Instagram is my real name which is palmer and it's palmer s-o-m-e that's my instagram palmerson so yeah everything else is adam snow xxx and is there any difference in content between only fans and just for fans yeah so the only fans of course is always coming up with new rules and restrictions and stuff so there's there's less videos on OnlyFans. There's more videos on Just for Fans because I can. They haven't deleted all my shit like OnlyFans does. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I woke up. I woke up one day and I had been on a, a 14 hour flight. I was flying to South Africa, and when I landed, I they had deleted like 300 of my videos on OnlyFans. I was like, what the fuck? I was like almost at a thousand and then just randomly they're all deleted. I was like, what the fuck? No, I had the same shit happen. My son was over here and we were turning on the sprinkler for the season. It was like every 30 seconds, post removed, post removed. And I just, motherfuckers. And they don't give you any reason why. I mean, they used to, but now they don't. They just delete it and you're like, okay, well, why is this deleted? So, yeah, no. Agreed. Um, and how would you summarize your content? Like, if someone's never seen it, how would you describe it? Because I interview people who shoot all kinds of shit. Uh, well, it's mostly fucking and sucking. Like, you know, I 
there's a lot of one-on-ones. There's a lot of groups and, you know, threesomes and foursomes and a lot of outdoor stuff, a lot of like bed stuff. And during 2020, I did that whole, you know, where I, there wasn't really anybody else around. So I did a lot of solo stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's mostly, there's no like hardcore, you know, like there's no fisting. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not into like, like hitting or spitting or slapping or anything like that. It's more like, it's very sensual. Uh, and it's like very like intimate uh-huh. usually. There's a few, there's a few times where I film with someone who is really into it and they can like, they kind of bring out a more dominant side of me. Um, but that's not, you know, I don't do that with everybody. It's just the people that can actually take it. Cause you know, not everybody can, take a big dick like that so <laughs> hey guys just want to say thank you for watching this video and if you did really enjoy it i just wanted to mention there are two ways that you can help to support this channel on the right side there are three little dots if you click those there is a super thanks button and on the left hand side there is a join button where you can join this channel there are three different tiers of memberships. The top tier does actually allow one-on-one messaging with me via Discord. And I personally answer that it is not a service. That's just, you know, both of those are ways that you can help support me as a content creator in this channel. I mention this because YouTube is by far the thing that I enjoy doing the most. It's the thing I'm most passionate about. And unfortunately, a lot of the sexual videos the porn star confessions, the dom sub, all that stuff. It is not monetized due to the nature of the videos. But either way, thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. I hope you guys all have an absolutely amazing week. I love you all.